This is me, Up here. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. What's up? Hey, buddy. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> hey! Hey! How are you? What you, what you got there? Uh, it is early in the week, and I finished my uh, lunar set that's over that way, and I don't have a set to build. You're still building this gigantic, like, human-sized leg this over here. This thing is awesome. So we dug through the nonsense that's in this room, and I found this retro arcade, build-your-own-working classic arcade game that was included in your maker box. Is that what it was? Yes. It was one of the things that they found, and they said, do you want this in there? And I said, sure. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and it is unassembled. <clears throat> but, so I'm going to build it. I'm pretty sure you have to have a soldering iron. Oh, you have a little faith. I'm going to make it work. Eh, okay. I have super glue. It's, it's not the same thing. I don't think it's going to work out, but it'll be interesting to see. Well, this is a <clears throat> nice quality box. It it's is. Got it's magnets really thick. embedded in it. Well, I mean, the box itself is the game, so it, it has to. Oh. Yeah. You're building Leather. the electronics into the. Hmm. I have to insert a coin? No, thank you. Eh. I see. Your, it sounds like your son got his new instrument today. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Anthony burping in the background. So, huh. Yeah, that should be interesting to listen to. Hmm. My oldest uh, joined the band in school, middle school. He's playing the euphonium. Which is a what? Which is a baritone. It's like a big Which brass. Which is a what? It's, it's a big brass instrument. that's like in between the trumpet French horn size and the tuba. It's in the... <laughs> And you can hear it. <laughs> so he's dragging a chair across That's the floor. That's fantastic. So, all right. So we're back. I went upstairs to check out my son's instrument because he just got home. Uh, and so now we have a very loud horn in the house. Yay. So that'll be an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, two of the kids already play piano, and so there's that practice sound, you know. Which, I mean, I play piano, so I don't mind it so much, but when... Kids are learning instruments. There's a kind of long period of just noise before they start to really get it. <clears throat> yep. So I remember my brother was learning how to play the guitar when we shared a room, and I hated everything about the guitar <laughs> when he was just like, blink, 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 in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I hate everything about this. And then I'm like, oh, I can play the bass, and then I can hook it up to an amp. And I can be way louder than he can be with that guitar. <laughs> with can, the amp. Yeah, with the amp. <laughs> or I can be just silent to myself if I want to play the bass. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. Don't break it. No, this thing is, the packaging is part of the game. Yeah. This is neat. Kind of, maybe. Or it could be stupid. Kind of, maybe. Tell. could be stupid. Um, so, remember last time we talked about sports and stuff uh, for the kids? So all of our practices for soccer are supposed to start this week. And they've already been canceled the first night because of heat. It's, oh, is that why they canceled it? Yeah, the heat, in, heat in, Oh, my goodness. The heat index yeah. was very high. Um, and it's supposed to be pretty hot today, too. So I'm curious if they will cancel today as well. But we have practices every night of the week now between... Mm. Four kids playing soccer, two doing piano, one doing gymnastics two nights a week. Uh, yeah. 
So that's going to be an interesting adjustment to make as a family. Are you figuring it out? Yep. Cool. <clears throat> well, what's been new with you since last we recorded? Um, my kids started school. All of them. So my son is in fourth grade now in the homeschool. My middle son is in kindergarten and my daughter's in pre-K. And it's exciting. Like my older son has had his curriculum, like his workbooks, and they go to their homeschool co-op thing and it has a curriculum that they bring home and it kind of intermixes. And But my middle son, which I kind of feel bad for him in some respects, has always been lumped into the littles. There's my older son and then my younger son and my, my youngest daughter they're the, the two younger kids are like 16 months apart. So it's always been my older son and the littles. And I always felt like my middle son kind of got a bad rep. Like he's lumped into like a group of tiny people because mm. he is kind of tiny, but he's part of a duo. Like right. he hasn't gotten enough focus in his own right. And I've always wanted to change that. And so now like he's in kindergarten and so he has his own curriculum. He's got stuff mm. that he's working on. He knows his alphabet. I mean, we're working on reading. Like, I, we really want him to read. He's super excited to read. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, so he loves math. Um, he's just, he's picking stuff up really quickly. And I'm really proud of him. And it's kind of weird because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you needed to be doing school too. Not just my older son who's in, like, a, a comparable grade in public school. And now my middle son, like, you're in a grade now too. Like, it's mm. go time. But he's been learning. But yeah, yeah. For his birthday, somebody gave him um, it was like a discovery kit that has just a bunch of little bolts and kind of Tinker Toy esque, connects esque kind of pieces that are made out of plastic. And it makes this little biplane. And he was working on it. He dumped it out on his floor and he was going through the instructions. And it was a little over his head. And so he asked me for help. And so he and I like built this airplane together. It was so much fun because he was calling things by the right names. And I was like, oh, go hmm. get the bolt and go get the square nuts and go get the bushing and go get the whatever. And he'd pick it up from, like, you know, like we're building Legos here. It's just a big pile of craziness. And it would give him like a parts list. I'm like, go find those parts. Hmm. And he would go out and he would pretty much go find every piece. I'm like, it is Lego time, buddy. Yeah. Like, it's on. And it's neat to see him come into his own and kind of mature. And uh, we should have been treating him more as his own individual person for quite a long time. But <clears throat> well, now I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's harder when there's a one gap between a kid that's bigger than the other gaps. I mean, it's, it's easy to lump them together. Yeah, well, now it's easier for me not to lump them together. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. How's school with you guys? Uh, it's you guys good. got a whole bunch of new schools. Yeah, they, uh, they all moved. We moved school systems this year, and my oldest is now in middle school. Um, and that actually hasn't been as much of a thing as I kind of thought it would be. I, I don't know why. <clears throat> I was kind of expecting, like, he get his locker now, you know, and he doesn't have a homeroom. They just switch classes all day long, stuff like that. They don't have homeroom? No. I thought we had homeroom. I thought we did, school. too, but I don't know. I mean, it was in middle. It was called junior high when I was in it, so shows you how long ago it was. No, I mean, apparently that's, like, a different thing, which I didn't realize, but. I thought you always had, like, a home base that took role and then you're like skipping around day kind of started from there that's what i thought too but apparently these kids with their weird schools (laughs) but the good thing is i mean he's he's falling right into it you know no problem no adjustment really um there was a lot of stuff that's different for him but seems to be rolling with it everybody else seems to like the new school they don't really or they haven't seemed to have any homework in the first i guess 
last week was the first solid week, and nobody had any homework, which seemed hmm. kind of crazy, but kind of good. Like, I'm not a huge fan of homework. I don't know that it really does as much good as people would expect it to do. But There's been a conversation on Twitter about the value of homework, and people are are pretty diametric about it. Either they, you know, it's to reiterate what you kind of initially begin in, in school school, or people think that it's just a waste of time because, you know, you're overloaded and during regular school hours. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, I mean, I, I could definitely see it being valuable, but in certain situations, like if you, <clears throat> you know, prepping for a test, having a little bit of extra study time, out of the context of school before the test, that makes sense. But to have a daily packet of here's busy work that you have to do in a different environment just to have done it, it's like the same stuff. It's nothing challenging. It's nothing new. It's just more. And they're more already the same. I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And they're already, and this isn't high school. We're not talking about like you have two weeks to write a paper. It's not mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's repetition every, work. It's every single day repetition stuff. And for my kids, I mean, they all do really well in school. They don't haven't so far struggled with anything, really. And so that work isn't really reinforcing anything that I can tell. It's just giving them something else that they have to do. Now, that, that's not always going to be the case, and it's not the case for every kid the same age as my kids. But <clears throat> by the time they get home, they have chores to do at home, which we try not to overload them, but they do have stuff they're responsible for. But then they have homework that they have to get through and their minds are not there. They're looking out the sunny window at their friends playing outside and their friends come over and knock on the door and they want to play and they just want to go be kids. And I want them to go be kids, but like they have responsibility left over from their earlier part of their day that's out of their control. Like you can't work on it at school. You have to wait until you get home. So it's not like I would do my homework at school. Well, they don't even get it. Excuse me, until they're like on the way out. It's mm. weird. I don't know. This is at their old school. Maybe the new school, it'll be handled differently or the expectation will be different. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Either way, I do think that it has value. Homework has value, but I also think just doing it for the sake of them having homework. Like if the teachers are just giving it out because they feel like they should, then I don't think that's helping anybody. And it's just kind of stealing free time and days from kids when they still have the opportunity to be kids, you know? Hmm. Well, I know that whenever I was an instructor, one of the, the theories of learning is repetition. So if I could play devil's advocate for homework, it would be that the stuff that is introduced into class with a limited class time, and I'm sure the, the stringent requirements that they have to hit for certain metrics or certain, you know, teaching points or evaluation points, you know, they have to, be able to repeat some of that stuff to nail down some of the content. And I guess just because of sheer hours in the day, it's assumed that that has to be done at home. Yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, I get that. But I also think that when they're on their own, <clears throat> in when they're not in a driven environment, right, where there's somebody saying, here's what you need to do, now I'm going to stand here while you do it, <laughs> and I'll be here available if you have any questions. Once they get home, they're out of that. They just have a pile of responsibility, and they don't necessarily have to care about it. They don't really have to pay attention to it. It just has to be checked off the next day. And I think that's where maybe it breaks down, is the repetition can be maybe not as as reinforcing as it might be 
you know, at school or the next day or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I think that would be really hard to monitor because, I mean, some of the teachers, I know for math class, they were like, you need to do the even problems because, you know, the answers are in the back of the books. So you could kind of check your work. But then I think that would give certain people an out to just like copy down yeah. the stuff for it. I think it's really based on it's based on the student, and our curriculum does a lot of repetition. But there are certain things that are unnecessary repetition. Like my wife will get irritated at this one math curriculum that we bought from my oldest son. She's like, I I get repetition, I get the point, but like this is unnecessary. Hmm. So we got to choose a different curriculum because we had that freedom as homeschoolers, and there was one that was more his alley that would progress a little faster. While, I mean, math is, math is kind of unique because you can build on the skills that you previously learned mm-hmm. to do the next thing. But we had that freedom to be able to alter how he was learning the material based on how he was responding to the method that the material was taught. And I do think good teachers can do that sometimes, too, in a you know more traditional classroom. I would imagine um, that, like, institutionally, that would be much more difficult. Yeah. Uh, I think in certain classrooms, they can do that to a degree, but they still are responsible for everybody in the class. Yep. Getting them up and you have to, to play to the averages. Level. And right. that, uh, that's kind of when, where I was in school. I was the kid who got work done really quick because I wanted people to leave me alone. I would get it done right the first time, and then my time was mine. And some of my teachers would acknowledge that and kind of reward me for it when others would try to give me more work to do. And I could see through that garbage even when I was in elementary and middle school. I'm like, you're, now you're just purposely giving me busy work. Yeah. Or um, they would announce like whatever the homework was. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just do my homework now because I'm finished with the other stuff. And that way I don't have to do it at the house. And I would get home. My parents like, did you do your homework? I'm like, I didn't have any. And they always thought that I was lying. Hmm. And I'm like, no, I just – I did it already. Because I never thought that the stuff that we were doing was all that difficult. Anthony's slurping on slushy, slushy. But it's I feel for teachers because of that kind of playing to averages thing. Yeah. If you have one kid that excels or one kid that needs a lot more work, there's that bell curve in the middle that just kind of, I mean, has to be either play along, either mm-hmm. got to slow yourself down or be dragged along. And that's really difficult for a teacher to try to put out a single presentation of content based on so many people's learning styles. Yeah, and I mean in that same thing in regard to the homework part of it, you can't very easily walk through the classroom and be like, okay, you didn't do well today, you have homework, you need repetition, you do have homework, you know, it's yeah. like everybody's going to get it. Which I understand. There was a spot <clears throat> in high school where I realized uh, that it was, it was toward, so I did a dual enrollment program where I went they had the college professors come to our school. It was kind of like AP, but it was just with Troy. It was Troy State at the time. I was Troy University. And so I just got college credit. And the times that my college professor didn't show up to teach class, just my regular high school teacher was there. And we would have such a, a huge workload. I would have like a 10-page paper due this week, not as like the end result of the class. It was The workload was a lot higher. And I remember thinking one time, I'm like, I know this lady. I know my high school teacher. I know how much she has to do as a human being. I know all of the, the strict stuff that she has to put up with. I'm like, there is no way that she has the time to read all of the papers just from this class, let alone her four other rotational classes. Mm. I was like, I know she's not reading this stuff, and I'm going to test it. And so of, of my 10-page paper that she had to grade, I would only do it for her because I knew my college professor would, would do it. 
But I would do like the first two pages were legit. And in the middle, I would just rant about craziness. Because <laughs> sometimes we had to do stuff like that in class. It was like, all right, it's a, it, you had to do a, I don't know what it was called, but I had a six page paper due by the end of class about a certain topic. And so you would just like, if someone walked into the classroom, just be a bunch of kids feverishly looking down at a piece of paper writing like crazy. Yeah. And that's when I would do that. I would just describe what all the kids in the class were wearing or what I knew that that person did in another class that I thought was funny. And that would be the huge bulk of my work. And then the first two pages were good, my thesis and my my outline. And then my supporting stuff in the back was strong. Everything in the middle was absolute garbage. And I would get really good grades. The first time I got like an A minus, I'm like, I knew it. I knew she wasn't doing these. And so like that whole portion of class was just like, it's Josh's <laughs> journal time. I'm not talking about the War of 1812. Let's talk about that girl over there slipped and fell and got mud on her clothes the other day. <laughs> so school to me was, I mean, it was not, I, I, I feel for people that had a hard time. Yeah. I did not have a hard time. Hmm. And I made myself entertained. I didn't have a hard time like with the classes. I just didn't try. And I really regret that just because, not because I necessarily needed to try to get better grades. Like, I didn't get good grades, really. And I didn't, I don't regret the fact that I got bad grades. I just regret that I didn't make an effort, you know? Like, that's a long time to be in school, to be in an area with responsibility and, like, to not really even try. Well, <laughs> like, I think it kind of messed me up. should have given it a little, little effort. Because when I went to college, I'm like, whoa, <clears throat> I have to try, try. Yeah. A lot is placed on my shoulders. I'm not just very easily regurgitating what they want from me. I, when you figure out what they want, you give them what they want, that's it. And it took me a lot longer in my collegiate career to figure out, like, oh, I can just give you what you want and then you can leave me alone. I thought that that was my time to learn and express myself and, you know, come into who I was. And it's like, no, your English teacher just wants you just to regurgitate your, your papers. Like, they don't want to hear a whole lot. They just want to hear what they want to hear. And it took me longer to figure that out. So my college career early on was way more difficult than my high school career. Because hmm. I thought those environments or that, like, teacher-student kind of mentality was different. And that yeah, kind of wasn't. Well, that has a lot to do with the teacher and probably yeah. with the type of school that you're at. I can see that. Especially freshman-level stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, the higher you go. It was so crazy. Like, the higher I went in college, the easier. I say easier. But I'll use easier just because it's convenient to say the easier because it's easier. My schooling began because the conversations with a professor or between peers was so much more fluid. Mm. They didn't talk to you like you were an idiot. They didn't treat you like you were an idiot. The work that you had to do was far less busy work. It was more purposeful. It was to a point that you got to see immediately. So like my graduate work, when I was in graduate school, it was everything you did was for the project at the end. Everything built to this thing. And you had communication between people you had project groups and so it wasn't just like oh in you know, give me write me a thousand words about yeah you know the imperialism in this culture where it's not really what you what you're there in school to do yeah it's just your word you know, prereqs and yeah. yeah exactly so the further you go or the further i went my work seemed more uh justified and so then it made me more motivated to do it hmm yeah, I could see that. I think I, I did better, paid more attention <clears throat> further on in school for several reasons, but that was probably one of them too. Is it was a little more relevant to what I actually wanted to get out of college. I have two pieces that are matching. Oh, you missed something. Yeah, 
missed one. I only have one bag left after this, so I need to get this done. All right, well, uh, I don't know how we got to talking about that, but we do have some questions uh, from our Patreon members. Yep. And I thought it would be fun to talk about those. Oh, I see where they are. So I like uh, these questions specifically. Oh, I want to give a big shout-out to Anthony over there. He's not burping, so good job. Step one. Um, But Anthony made a form for our Patreon members on Discord that they can submit either pros and cons or show topics or things like that to us, and then they get filtered and formatted and sorted in Airtable, this program man- or project management tool that we use, so that rather than like scrambling through all of the different things, we just, boom, we see, and we can check off, and we can credit people, and so now we're picking through some of those that are movie-related. Yes. Because we love movies. We haven't talked about movies in a minute. Yeah, man. So we're going to do movie-related. There you go. Dump that bag. Smash. Movie-related Discord recommendation <laughs> from our page. Oh, I broke the wire. Whoops. <laughs> 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 yes. movie Whatever you were saying. Yeah, so, okay, so these are movie things, question, comment thingies. Uh, we don't have names next to them, unfortunately. Yeah, I just said we could credit people, and you make me sound like a liar, Anthony. Yeah, well. I can fix that. Yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. So this one, I think, the first one, I think there's actually could be two different variations of this, because I don't have one answer, <laughs> so I'm going to change the rules. First one is talking about your favorite movie in cinema. And that is Favorite movie huge. in cinema? But I think you could actually break that down to two... Moment. Favorite moment. Moment, yeah. What did I say? You said favorite movie in cinema. No. Favorite, like, favorite or, movie in movies. Or favorite movie in plays. Um, <laughs> favorite movie in... Yeah. How about we take it to two things. One is like your favorite visual moment in movies. Mm, okay. The one that like really catches your eye. Yep. And then the one, the favorite like it story in my moment. heart. Yeah. Okay. And maybe not favorite, just ones that you really like. Because it's impactful. I mean, yeah, because like I could name a hundred different ones that hit me. Yep. I don't know if any of them are my favorite, but yeah, because I think <clears throat> it hits you in different ways. Like some, I was thinking about this the other day whenever it was it was kind of being talked about. And I was like, there was a movie recently that made me cry, and I didn't quite remember what it was. And I think affecting you emotionally, and then something that stuck with you and maybe informed kind of who you are now it kind of maybe hit mm. you at that right time i think those are two very different yeah. things i would think so so do you have one of I those have, moments so the first thing that came to mind with the visual one <clears throat> is star wars of course empire strikes back mm-hmm. which i've said is my favorite movie of all time hands down it just is the scene when luke faces off with vader mm-hmm. in the, the chamber where they're going to freeze him in carbonite. Yep. So there's a scene where there's these stairs, kind of bleacher stairs that go up the back of the, the away from the camera. They go mm-hmm. up frame. They have orange lights embedded in the steps that you see, the curved, the rounded, you know, shapes. There's a blue glow from the background, and then you have the two of them fighted, fighting, silhouetted against the, those, you know, polar opposite colors. And, and then the music is gorgeous right there, and it's just everything about that particular shot is makes me think of that movie. Mm. And there's something about that particular view that I really, really like. 
lot. What about you? Um, Sorry about my throat, everybody. Visually, I had a couple that came to mind, but Anthony was watching a thing on Jurassic Park earlier, and the difference in like the aspect ratio that the original Jurassic Park was shot in to give height and how the actors played in with the dinosaurs and how Steven Spielberg shot that entire movie to get the scale of the dinosaur rather than focusing on the the human interaction. And then there's a, the part where like they're driving on the Jeep and then when Dr. Grant sees the, the brontosaurus or brachiosaurus or whatever for the first time, like that was awesome. But the shot where the camera pans and like looks out over just the, the massive landscape and it's got some of them drinking out of the water. It's got some of the other little dinosaurs that are running in herds. And he's like, they're running in herds. They do run in herds. Like that moment yeah, where you get the scale and just that natural scenery. And in, back in the 90s, like it was the first time you saw like realistic looking dinosaurs. Yeah. Not just like a guy in a Godzilla suit trampling around a cardboard town. And I remember seeing that like before it got scary with the dinosaurs and all that, just like. That is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And for by, by all rights, that's exactly what things could have looked like. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing that and just being just amazed at that movie. I mm. think I was 10 or 11 when that movie came out. And again, before all of the drama, I imagine like, I want to go to that place. I want to be able to see that the way that they're seeing it. And I thought it was just beautiful. Mm. I think like nature preserves and mm. national parks and those things, it's just this untainted landscape that can just fill your entire field of view without a Taco Bell sign or some other piece of like really crappy marketing. Like you just look at at what the world looks like without people messing it up, I think is beautiful. And then to even take that, that part of that movie, that scene to throw it way back to like prehistoric times of what it could have looked like. Who knows? Yeah. But I thought that that was amazing to see. Hmm. That's interesting because that sounds, with the way you're saying, that sounds like my oldest son. He loves Jurassic Park. He loves dinosaurs. But he doesn't love, I mean, I'm sure he likes it too. The thing he loves about Jurassic Park is not the, oh, I'm being chased by a dinosaur. Oh, no, yeah. there's danger. Oh, there's excitement. It's it's what you're talking about. It's like, look at that thing. Yeah. That That's gigantic and it's alive. And it's like, he, he loves... The idea of what it would have been like to see those animals. That and look that, you know, Dr. Grant had. Yeah. Was like, that was that was an awesome scene. And hmm. it, I think watching the thing today, that was the point in the movie where the camera stopped shooting people at eye level. Where they stopped shooting people, shooting yeah. actors like you would normally see actors shot. And then it transitioned like it, it panned and it swept up to the dinosaur and then. Most of the shots of the humans in that movie are shot from up underneath or are shot in some type of claustrophobic environment where now the dinosaur is the primary scale oh, in wow. all of those shots. Huh. It was such a cool, like, I know I like that scene, and then watching somebody dissect it at that level made me like it even more. That's cool. Yeah. So visually in a movie, that's what. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of interesting about Jurassic Park because that came out when I was in, what year did it come out? I think 94. 94. I think it was. I could be wrong. 94, 95. But either way, that was like either my first year of college or my last year of high school, whenever it actually came out. I think it was 95. 93. Ooh. Oh, we're both wrong. So when I was in high school, um, I liked it. 
And I remember being, you know, in awe of it and stuff, but it wasn't like, I know a lot of people like that's to them what Star Wars is to me. Like that was mm-hmm. the, I've never seen anything like this movie. Yeah. And maybe I was just past that part of your life where stuff can really make a huge impression on you, like in a just a blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking out of that movie and being like, that was really cool. Okay. And just like moving on. Um, and it's interesting to look back at, at how a movie like that has affected other people. And it just didn't really, it didn't hit with me the same way. You know, I mean, it hit right. in a different way. Um, a friend of mine, Ryan, <clears throat> who's probably not listening, but if you are, hey, Ryan, what's up, man? Um, we used to work together. And he's a, a little bit younger than me. I don't remember how much. He never really got into Star Wars. And we talked about this one time. But The Matrix came out hmm. at that point in his life. Yeah. And so that was the, and I've heard this from other people too, The Matrix was the thing that was just like, I've never seen anything like this. This changes how I view the possibility of what movies can be and oh, stuff yeah. like that. You know, right. it was me, I was in college and we were like, oh, cool, Kung Fu, let's go watch The Matrix. And then we got out <laughs> and we we're like, oh, that was pretty awesome. Maybe they'll make another one. And then, you know, um, it's stuff is different, you know, depending on the age that you're at when it comes out. Um, I'd be interested to know from people a few years older than me, <clears throat> what the thing was, like it may have been Star Wars because Star Wars came out of the year I was born. So it was yeah. really the, uh, I don't want to say generation, but it was the group of kids before me. It was really their movie, you know. Um, but it'd be interesting to know what else had that type of an effect before me uh, to, you know, like my brother and people that are a little bit older. Is there any other movie that, had or has a visual thing that really stuck out to you? Um, <clears throat> it's the slushies. Every yeah. time slushies, it messes my throat up. A visual element. I mean, there's there's Spider Verse. I mean, we can throw back to Spider Verse. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and that's just. I remember watching Spider Verse and just being so excited about the story, visually about what I was watching. I mean, more so than like Avatar. And things that are meant to like be groundbreaking visual movies. Mm-hmm. I remember going into Avatar, going like, "Well, I mean, yeah, like it's not bad." They I remember the CG like, on this one. Yeah, I was not enthralled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spider Verse, uh, I was. Yeah, I I do specifically remember somewhere in the movie, in the middle of seeing it for the first time in the theater, just thinking to myself, like, I. How does this get made? Like, mm-hmm. How how did how they? Did somebody say yes to this. How did they describe it to yep. another person that you know? Hey, I've got this idea where you take all of these visual oh, styles and all this executive. stuff. <laughs> exactly. How did they take that up the chain and get somebody to sign the paper for that? I'm so imagine, glad they did. But man, like, how do you even yeah. define the that, style? That's what I think I'm most fascinated about because it made me feel those things too. Yeah, and. For them to be in a pitch meeting, because I imagine most you know single sentence elevator kind of pitch meetings like imagine Forrest Gump but in space, and they're like <laughs> greenlit. <laughs> How would you pitch that movie? And it would be like we're gonna yeah. make a Spider Man movie. They go, yeah, okay, great. You and everybody else are like, no, but it's a cartoon. They go, oh, okay, but there's already a live action guy right now. I'm like, no, it's gonna be like a, no other cartoon you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And imagine if somebody said that to you, and you're like, well, how can cartoons be different? Mm-hmm. That's exactly how cartoons can be different, and yeah. and good for them. Yeah, that they really knocked it out of the park. I think that the danger because they were talking about doing a sequel. Oh, yeah. The danger is that like they're going to try to either mimic, which I don't think they would do, exactly what they did before, 
or create some other new. Well, now we'll go this way, and it won't be. It just won't have the same effect. I think it's going to have that um, the Lego Movie effect. Yeah, that the wow and the novelty of like, how did you even do that? Like, that's amazing. Is going to be lost if it is kind of a, a repetition or if it's a variation on what they did. I don't know. I, I wish them luck, just like anything. But I remember that movie. Just there are a few movies that uh, I stop paying attention to the story, or the story is secondary to what I am watching. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think you typically, uh, most of us would typically just go for story first. But. Yeah. Oh no, I'm missing a part. Wait, I got it. But you mentioned the lightsaber scene in Empire. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. I think the battle that Luke and Darth Vader had in Return of the Jedi is my favorite lightsaber fight. Oh. In all of them. Yeah. Even like, oh, the Kylo Ren and Rey, they came together. Like, I thought that was neat, and it was cool, and it gave me goosebumps. But Luke is my favorite character, right? The the farm boy who has nothing that eventually wants to aspire and grow up and have an effect on all the things. Like, I dig that storyline. And his, like, emotional roller coaster between elevators his dad and he wants him to go over to the light side and he's being manipulated and he's, he's angry in that moment. And you can feel him be angry. Mm-hmm. And you can tell his, like, skills have gotten better. The choreography, I think, was better. Like, I, I love watching that lightsaber fight. Yeah. And the music on that one is really good, too. It's that, like, kind of choral hum. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but, yeah. All right, so what about <clears throat> scenes in movies that have stuck with you or shaped you or have been impactful? Ooh, man. I've had to think about this since so, we talked about it. Honestly, like anything <laughs> anything to do with kids and like uh, anything to do with like a, a parent-child relationship <laughs> where you see someone hurting – that stuff hits me really hard. And I have a great relationship with my kids. I have a great relationship with my parents. It's not like it's bringing up some trauma. It's mm-hmm. just it's just real, you know? Like, um, when you watch somebody fight against Thanos, you're like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Bummer. That, that must be really tough, and I feel for you. And like, oh, we lost Iron Man, this fictional whatever. But, like, real parents and children really get hurt and really lose each other. And that stuff... I don't know. It sits differently with me, and it hasn't a different effect on me. I think um, <clears throat> even in in like Endgame, spoiler alert, uh, seeing Tony's relationship with his daughter, just the fact that it existed, that there was a relationship, and then yeah. that is lost, like that got me. Of course, I was bummed that Iron Man's gone. He's like my favorite one. That's a bummer. But I really felt what he was worried about happening, about him losing the thing that he finally got in a family. Excuse me. And, yeah, stuff like that really gets me. So anytime there's a movie that has something like that, doesn't even have to be a good movie. (laughs) If I I connect with that little relationship, even if it's not lost, you know, like sometimes you just see like a really good parent-child relationship uh, in a movie that still kind of gets me. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a good answer because it's not specific, but well, even in that scene in Endgame, I mean, in the exact same light, I was okay. I thought that that was that was the hero's death for him. Yeah, until Pepper said, "We're gonna be okay." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, like, oh God, <laughs> is everybody gonna be okay if I die?" 
Yeah, the you can rest now line. That oof, yeah. we're gonna be okay. Yeah, I'm like oh boy, Josh <laughs> is broken. And then Thor talking to his mom. I broke there too. Oh yeah. Mm. But I think one movie that has stuck with me, um, and not even the whole movie. Have you seen the movie In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood when he's a Secret Service agent? Mm-mm, never it's got John Malkovich in it. He's a bad guy, builds a ceramic gun, and tries to assassinate the president. Oh, I remember that part and of like, it. Like Clint Eastwood is a washed up yeah. guy that, okay. like, I, I think he was supposed to be protecting JFK that day or whatever. He's filled with regret. Hmm. Rene Russo's in it, who was also Thor's mom. Wow. Whoa. Maybe I should have a thing for Rene Russo. <laughs> anyway, um,. <laughs> There's this, like, romantic kind of thing going on, this budding, like, flirtatious will-they-won't-they between Clint Eastwood and Rene Russo. And he's sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and she said something, and she walks away, and he muddles this line where he's like, if she turns around, she's interested. And you see her walk off, and she kind of stops and looks over her shoulder, and he was like, got it. (laughs) And that stuck with me. And I remember, like, to this day... My wife, any girlfriend, anything that I've ever had. And I remember, like, when I was kind of flirtatiously courting, you know, my wife when we were in high school. And that moment came to mind. I'm like, if she turns around and she looks back, like, this is happening. (laughs) And she absolutely looked back. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) Thank you, Clint Eastwood. I'm going to marry that girl. (laughs) And so... And it's a silly thing. Like, if right. I had to give advice, like, I know you've had to have a talk with your son recently about <laughs> girls and stuff because he's in middle school. Like, if my son has that, I'm, that's what I'm going to tell him. If she if she looks back, brother, then <laughs> you got to make a move. If she's interested and if she doesn't look back, then, you know, okay. Whatever. Well, maybe not like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not wrap it in. Like, well, if she doesn't look back, just let it go. Maybe that's just like. If she doesn't look back and is her mom cute? They'll wrap those two together. Okay. But that that little piece of silly advice, huh. if she looks back, she's interested. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember that part of the movie. If I saw the whole thing. I, I probably shouldn't have remembered that part of the movie. That's not the coolest part in the movie by any means. That's not his hero moment. That's pretty funny. It stuck. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of another one. Well, we have other questions, too. I keep forgetting that there's more here because we... Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the the bench scene in Goodwill Hunting. Like where bearded... um, Holy crap. Robin Williams? Robin Williams, good grief. I was like, his name is William. His name is William. His name is William. (laughs) William Robbins. Yeah, when Robin Williams is talking to old Will Hunting on the bench in in the park, and he's pretty much telling him, like, you don't know anything about anything because you're a punk kid and you're just full of garbage. And I remember that hit me at that right moment that there are people in the world who know more than I do, and I should shut up and listen to people who are more experienced mm. than me. Mm. And that's pretty big. Yeah. And I remember we went to Boston when we were on our travels, and we just happened to be, I forgot the name of that park, but we were in the park. And I'm like, oh, this is that park. <laughs> and there's the bench just kind of hanging out. Hmm. And I remember it just got to like, and my son sat next to me. My wife took a picture of my son sitting next to me on the bench. It's one of those silly kid, little you things. don't know anything about yeah. anything. <laughs> You're just a punk kid. <laughs> That's funny. All right, that question was from Anthony, I realized. Our Anthony? Yeah, our Anthony. That's kind of cheating. Um, if you could remake, so this one's Star Wars related, but we'll skip that part of it. We'll just say, if you could remake any movie with full creative control, what would it be and why? Do you have one loaded up? I do not. 
I got one. Okay. Go for Top it. Gun. Really? Yep. I think Top Gun is an amazing movie with potentially amazing kind of characters or caricatures of people they are meant to portray. Potentially. But then they've got like the volleyball scene and the scene where Tom Cruise is trying to like eat like Kelly McGinnis's face in the kiss thing. I think that there is a lot of truth and a lot of depth to that movie. Losing your friend in combat, trying to struggle with being the best. You know, you don't have your dad around. There's so many complex themes in that movie that I think are undercut by these really just obnoxious 80s, like, I'm going to flex while I'm playing volleyball scenes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That okay. I, I think that <clears throat> I love that movie. I think it could have been done a little better. And I'm I'm anxious for the top, for Top Gun 2. Are you really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it opening night. I love Top oh. Gun. I love airplane movies. I, I mean, when, when I saw Black Hawk Down... When I was thinking about joining the military, I'm like, I'm going to do that. Hmm. I'm going to do Blackhawk stuff because this is – look how cool these guys look. They have helmets. Look how dope these guys are. <laughs> but I think that – not that Top Gun should have a Blackhawk down like theme or feel. Yeah, right. But I just think that it was undercut by a really silly creased up volleyball scenes. Huh. You know, it's been so long since I've seen it, I don't really remember much about it. So I'll take your word for it. I don't know um, <clears throat> what that movie would be for me that I would completely redo. I feel like there probably is at least one, if not several. But I can't really think of them. I'm trying to think back of movies that I was disappointed in. Okay. Well, I'll take I'll, – I'll make this question uh, – I'll revamp it for you specifically. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, if you had access to the original cut Star Wars trilogy – Okay. That allegedly doesn't exist. Allegedly. Would, exist. Would you um, release it to the public and denounce all previous versions, or would you keep it for yourself? Uh, are those the only two options? I don't know what I mean. Let's say you had you had roundabout a- access would, that would re- – ooh, I'm going deeper – that you had to steal. Ooh. This is like I so like how we took the, the medicine to save your child to releasing <laughs> Star Wars movies. Your starving family needs bread, or they could get rid of that stupid dancing scene in Return of the Jedi. Uh, that's funny. If you had to steal the original cuts, would you? And would you release them to the public? Uh, it would be fun to try to steal something. I've actually had <laughs> actually had this daydream before about. What, like in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. about what how fun it would be to try to break into the Lucasfilm archives. Like on Fanboys? Is that what they did? I've never seen that. That's a funny movie, yeah. That's what oh. they did. Oh, well, okay. Never mind. But I thought it would be funny to try to break in and see if you could get away with just like going, not taking anything, but just going in there. But imagine you could get in and get the the footage. I don't know. Like, honestly, the whole special edition thing is not really that big of a deal to me. I mean, there's definitely the the dancing scene in Jabba's Palace is dumb and it doesn't add anything and there's no reason for it to be there, but it's not hurting anything either. Like I was never one that was like, "I want my original cuts back." I mean, the guy that made them wanted to make them better. It's not like he like we're just going to put in these couple more scenes where they're drinking Pepsi because <laughs> Pepsi paid me a billion dollars. It's not like that. It's sure just do like, like these space Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like he Big was boop. 
<laughs> he actually wanted to improve some stuff that he couldn't do before. You know, and the, the mats got better and things like that. So, I don't know. That never really bothered me so much. But I guess taking that whole thing to Star Wars, if there were movie a movie that I could make better... Um, it, it's, it's it's not cheating. There's no rules. I was gonna say it's cheating. The prequels. I think yeah, they they're awful and they're terrible and whatever. You can disagree all you want to. Person, I don't want to. Person listening. Okay. But <laughs> the fact is, they just could have been better movies. Star Wars or not, they're just not good movies. And so, if I were in charge of that, even with the terrible same storylines, there was mandated by. Mr. Lucas, here are the stories. You have to do it. Um, I think you should use Hayden Christensen. I would be like, <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> sure. So he would be out. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I would use, but somebody not him. Uh, so I think that would just make the movie better. And honestly, I don't think George Lucas is a great character director. I think he has a good idea and he has good vision and he pulled off a lot with Episode four, but honestly, didn't really do much else after that that I liked. So, I think a different director, character director, with different actors, or at least without Craden Hitchinson. What's his name? Hayden Christensen. Um, I think it would be a million times better. Stumbling on my words today. All right, we want to do any more? Yeah. What was? What were the other one? Oh, we're like fifty-two minutes in. Okay, we'll do the other one real quick. The other one is... Oh, that one was from Brandon P. This one's from Corey. Favorite Star Wars characters from each trilogy. Start with prequels just because they're terrible. Hmm. Obi-Wan. Hands down. From the prequels? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was easy. Yeah. (laughs) Second, the original trilogy. Favorite character. Luke. Luke. Luke or R2? Like, I like R2 because I I feel like my life trajectory, I'm not going to be the the star of the show. I don't know if I would even prefer to be the star of the show. Hmm. I like being that nice, sturdy cog that, like, drives everything forward. So I can, if I can relate to a single character, it would be the trash can-style robot that fixes <laughs> all the airplanes. <laughs> can't use words. Yeah, like... He's solid, he's steadfast, he knows what's up, he's got the experience, he's he's there to help and to save the day when no one else can. R2 is there. R2's got your back. Hmm. Like, Luke's story arc and all that stuff, like, as a character, I really love. But my favorite character in the Star Wars universe is R2-D2. Wow. Yeah. I would say in that trilogy, probably Luke. It's probably my favorite as well. Um Maybe Han Solo? He's just so cocky. I don't know. I think Luke has, like, the the kind of pure heart, you know. He's really trying to do his best throughout the entire thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and he does make a pretty big change from, like, whiny little boy to... Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I know what I'm fighting for, and I'm going to do it regardless. Yep, he has agency. Yeah. And he's got purpose. He knows what it is, and he goes after it. He makes his own decisions. I like it. Uh, all right. Newest trilogy. Uh, the newest trilogy. I, hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, That's rude. I mean, there's only so many characters. Well, I mean, you know, think about the new ones. The... Yeah, but only so many of them have story arcs. 
Well, they all like, kind of do. There's a lot do. of supporting cast members. I feel like Poe doesn't really have enough of an arc. Like, you don't know anything about I don't him. like Poe. He doesn't do much for me. He's I honestly like, think that he was the villain of the last movie. Like, not the villain. He was the, right. the antagonist, the antagonist yeah. of that last movie. Yeah, I could see that. I think he'll probably play a much bigger role in this next one about kind of fixing the problems from before. I think so. He had a redemption story toward the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, I like Finn. I didn't like what they did with his character and his off, you know, in his weird little casino tangent. I like the fact that there is at least one stormtrooper in all of the galaxy that has a conscience of their own yeah. and that can kind of decide. And I, I thought it was kind of weird that there weren't more. You know, being in the military and not fully buying into it, but still being a part of it. And there is definitely a point where something happens. You're like, this is a line I'm not willing to cross. Hmm. Regardless of how I can justify being on the good side or the bad side, there is a line in the sand that I give myself. And I think that uh, Finn's character found it. And went, okay, I'm not going to be passive anymore. Hmm. They want me to do a thing that I don't want to do, and I'm not going to do it anymore. And so if that means that I have to leave, then so be it. So be it. I just, I don't know, Finn didn't do much for me. Like, it just, he honestly seems like a character that has no place. That they, like, we need one more. I don't know, guys. The, the team's not big enough. We need one more. Okay, let's just take a stormtrooper that goes AWOL and then becomes part of the team. And I know that there's more to it than that. He has played into, like, the moving things along. But he, just, he doesn't feel necessary. Well, that's why, I, that's why I say about the last one how I think that the resistance, right? If you're going to muddy up a resistance, there's got to be more people than just him. Yeah. He has influenced people. Like, rather than going far off on some other tangent... Like, use him to start an upright. I mean, this is going into, like, they should have done it like this, and then it would have been a better movie. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But I think a more compelling story arc for him is to use his skill set and his experience to try to change more hearts from within. Hmm. Yeah. I think people kind of expected in the last one for him to use that, his, his knowledge, to really, like, subvert. You know, to, like, break in and use his, like, I know how to get around on in the inside of the Empire. And it was really just like, hey, let's go to the casino and we'll end up at the Empire. Yeah. By accident. I've been on there. <laughs> I've been to that shit before. I kind of know where that thing is. <laughs> yeah. Like. I think yeah. of that trilogy, I think Kylo Ren is probably my favorite. Mm. I mean, well, Ben. Yeah. Because I, I really like the way Adam Driver plays that character. I've honestly only seen him in a couple other things. And so I don't have a lot of context for what he usually plays or how he's acted in other things. I've he seen was, him in a couple of things. He but. was in something that I've seen recently. It was a really popular movie, and he was like a, a an extra. Oh, what was it? That's going to bug me. Never mind. I don't mean to do anyway, that. I, so I don't have a lot of like attachment to him as this type of person. And so seeing this just person that I don't know anything about act the range that he's acting about that character I think is really good mm -hmm. I think he stands out as being super conflicted yep whereas everybody else is you know kind of conflicted here and there or like they get over it really quickly I feel like he is just bubbling up on the inside for something crazy but and I like kind of what they're doing with Ray's character that I think that she's driven by kind of confusion hmm. and Whereas I think Kylo Ren has been through all of this stuff and has come to his his stance on things, like, through experience. 
Yeah. You know, I was part of the good guys. That didn't work out, whether it was accurate or not. He, he's chosen his path for a reason where I think she's like constantly just discovering like, I'm going to be this because of this thing that just happened to me. Yeah. It yeah. seems very fresh <clears throat> and that she could be, I don't say manipulated, but seems like he's more steadfast in his decision making. And mm. I, I think his character is more around because of it. Yeah. I saw this, since we're talking about Star Wars, saw this theory, which is totally off base and it doesn't line up, but it's pretty interesting. What if Last Jedi, Luke was dead the whole time? Luke was dead the whole time. He died time. sometime in the last 30 years and didn't know how to like fully commune with the Force to become a Force ghost, and he's just stuck in like this Force purgatory. Hmm. So he can't get out, but he's not really there, and... Because of Ray's like force touchiness, or I don't know whatever you call it, she can see him and she can talk to him, but he's not actually on the island. There kind is of a, no island. It's, <gasps> I mean, it's kind of a cool idea, yeah. you know, where he's stuck and then finally he just can project himself into her mind and into other people's minds, and that's how he did the whole thing anyway. So, and at the end, because he did this good deed, he was able to actually. Fully die. Yeah. Mm. That's kind of cool. I don't think it's right. Because his X-Wing was still sitting at the bottom of the ocean. That's a fact. Yeah. So. Oh, well. Still a cool idea. All right. We're like uh, an hour. So let's wrap it up. Hey, Bob, I don't know if you know this, but trying to wire things together with superglue is trickier than it sounds. Huh. I don't know. I feel like I would have told you that if I would realized you were going to do that. It's working. It's just just (laughs) reserved for professionals. Okay. Bad idea. Got it. Do you have batteries? Yeah, man. So you can test it? Uh, whenever now? I'm done. Or are you Is not that done? it? I don't know. You're doing it. Well, I just got to rig up the battery pack. Okay. Well, uh, you can try it out and be maybe. embarrassed when the camera's not running. <laughs> All right. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, on the socials at Josh underscore make stuff. And you can find all of us at I like to make stuff on all the stuff. Uh, again, like we say every time, Patreon is the best way to help out this show if you want to help us out. That would be awesome. It helps out. I like to make stuff as a whole, not just this particular little piece. Uh, But we get the ideas for the shows, a lot of the topics and all that stuff from patrons. And we're going to be changing the Patreon stuff, the membership stuff soon, adding some more things, um, changing some levels and all that. So if you want to get in on it, get on it, get on it, in on it. On it. And as you've seen, a lot of this show, I mean, the people that we've mentioned were contributing members to this podcast. Yeah. They weren't sitting directly here, but they were the inspiration behind this conversation. And I really wish we could have had a back and forth with the people that actually asked the questions. Yeah, that would be cool. So thank you for everybody on the Discord server. Thank you, Anthony, for curating that and putting it all together so that we could talk about silly stuff. And thank you for being too stubborn to get the soldering iron because it's going to be hilarious to watch this thing not work. Man, it's going to work. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.